Hello and welcome back to B2B Video Lab, the podcast that looks at video in the B2B sector. My guest today is Yosef and Yosef Newton runs an agency called Sway and is a specialist in a B2B video production. Joseph, very glad to have you on the podcast. I'm really interested and intrigued about some of the things that you're doing. Thank you. It's great to be on. I love talking about all things video, so this should be fun. For the audience members that haven't been aware of you or seen your posts on LinkedIn, and you're an exceptionally good poster on that platform, I wondered if you could introduce your business, Sway, and talk about what you do. So Sway is what we say is basically it's the easiest way for B2B companies to make video content. Our big goal is to make video creation for companies as accessible, as easy as written and editorial content. Uh, so that's like our big picture goal. Now, you've got a, a business partner. Now, you're actually in two separate locations originally, aren't you? We were, yeah. My business partner, Sergey, he's from Canada. He's actually originally from Ukraine, but he's been in Toronto for over a decade, but has just moved over to Portugal. Yeah, I'm from the UK. He's from Canada. One of the reasons that uh, you have got this very different USP of your video production business is that you are approaching video content production from a marketer's point of view. So I wondered if you could elaborate about what your background is in marketing and how that led you to a video. Yeah, so uh, me, myself, I started, I guess, in marketing technically when I was like 15. My first business it was, in, it was in year 10 in school. Right. So I ran a, a local like local marketing business where I'd provide provide leads mostly to like gym businesses, fitness businesses. And then, and I still don't really know how this transition actually happened, but I then got into the podcasting world. So freelance and a lot of B2B podcasts that then led me into video because a lot of that work involved social clips for different platforms, which has, I guess, now got me onto Sway with my co-founder. My co-founder, he's been in quite a few head of marketing roles. So he's, we both kind of had the blend of the creator marketing background together. So it's a, a, a good fit. Together. It's really useful for somebody because content creation is now becoming democratized. It's much easier for people to make content. But there's something that you've identified, which I completely em- empathize with, which is that businesses struggle getting over that first step and creating the content and not necessarily ideating it and coming up with the ideas, but actually making the content can be a challenge for them. You're demonstrating by example, because you use video extensively in your company already, don't you? Not only does it market your message as a broader means to communicate what you're doing. Yeah, 100%, 100%. We use it. It's, yeah, it's involved in everything that we do. A lot of our, a lot of our own LinkedIn content, a lot of our own marketing activities that were that are currently in the works they're all centered and they all video is the main medium for everything for us so we drink our own champagne there's a, a an american phrase which people sometimes use them you need to eat your dog food is it your eat your dog food that's the yeah. one there's a, a, sometimes examples of people in the b2b space as well who talk about methods that people are supposed to use it would be great if you have a YouTube channel. It would be great if you use TikTok. And then when you go and look at their profiles, 
they don't have a YouTube channel and if they have one, it has hardly anyone watching it. Um, and so I wondered, the video that you've done is developed from your podcasting, but how did you come up with this idea mm. that you wanted to audit your clients before you started working on their portfolio? What was the basis of that? You can't really, we need to take, a, I guess, a, a picture of where they're at. We need to understand where they're at. For I think a lot of our, for a lot of our companies, if we look at like YouTube as a as an example, I think there's a lot of areas where B two B companies are perhaps not getting it quite right. I think from a at the channel level, so frequency, the frequency of videos, the click through rate of videos is it usually tends to be quite off. So the topics they're talking about, how they're YouTube SEO, so headlines, thumbnails, usually not quite suited to the platforms. And then at a video level, it's also, from a retention standpoint, a the presenter who's on video, there's usually a lot of work to be done there. And so the whole point of that audit process is to understand, A, where do we need to refocus at a topic level? Where, where, you know, where, where are we not getting it quite right in terms of what we're actually talking about? But then it in the videos themselves how can we where, where are the where do we need to make the improvements basically and by going through that audit process with clients we just we get to a place where we can begin actually creating the videos i was going to ask you about the common mistakes that you've identified when you're doing these audits and i know that in some of your previous podcasts which i've listened to that you've talked about now that people have all the information about how to get stuff done it should be easier for them to do it, but it actually maybe because there's so much information about how to make yeah. video work for your company, it's very difficult to know where to start. So mm-hmm. what mistakes do you identify in the audit process routinely then that you're looking to remedy? I think it's the four things that we really talk about. Videos in B2B, they're made for sexiness, right? They're made with like tons of fancy flying motion graphics and it's very nice looking animation. It, instead of actually making videos that are designed to be consumed by an audience uh, so that's usually the biggest thing it's like a, a focus on sexiness not consumption i think the second thing for me is it, video just tends not to be a very strategic inside companies it usually doesn't really work in tandem with the editorial content the written seo team don't have much involvement in video so it, there tends to be quite a big disconnect from what i've seen just video it, it all tends to happen in kind of isolation I think third, it's not built with distribution in mind. So when videos are created, distribution is always a, it's always like the very last step of the process. It's always an afterthought. It's, oh, let's just throw it on YouTube. Yeah, let's just throw it on TikTok. And it's never built with distribution in mind. And then I think the fourth thing is, and this is more of a, (laughs) out of an audit, but it's more a, but it's our very strong belief that video should be created 100% remotely. I think you can progress to in-person and that there are certain videos where I think in-person maybe makes more sense. The reason, very quickly, I think it, it remote is just so important is because or for video to work, you need volume, right? And the only way you can get volume is if video is actually cost-sustainable. And so... To me, the only practical way for 99% of companies to actually create videos cost sustainably is by doing remote production. 
are the four things. That's interesting. I'm going to focus on that last one. I wonder, are you suggesting then, but by embedding all the different component parts of company in the sort of ideation, that the video is going to be better placed to perform like an outcome that people are looking for? So when you create a blog, you're also thinking about how do we turn this into a, how do we turn this content asset into a video? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's kind of where I'm going with that. When we talk to a lot of clients, when video does happen at a company, it's very randomly and it's very rarely. It's just whenever we've got the time and budget to do it. So it's how do we bring video in to what we're already doing? So it's not about creating a completely new like content stream. It's okay, we've already got this blog that we're pushing out every week. We've got these two case studies that we do a quarter. How do we also bring video into the mix with those content assets that we're already pushing out? How do you overcome the barrier of acceptance from your clients? When... So it sounds like you're suggesting that people need to start using video in processes like qualifying their leads, engaging with their leads, the sort of early parts of marketing and the sales process how do you persuade them that this is going to make a difference do you use case studies what do you do honestly i think if you have a buy-in to video and i think more people will start to buy into it i tend to find that if you try and persuade people to do that they should be doing video they're not the right people uh, <laughs> they'll not be the people that will invest into video i think people have to buy into it they have to like there's i think most people understand that you have to win on social now to win on marketing most people accept that and that you now need good video has to play a part and so I, I tend not to try and persuade people i think a lot of the time clients already believe in it it's just about you know how do we make that process yeah how do we actually get them going on that journey so I that's a great i don't know if that's a great answer to the question but maybe i'll rephrase the question slightly differently then when you've got customers that are thinking about using video and haven't used much of it What's the pain point that they talk to you most about? Is it that they tr okay. have trouble with the creation of the video or is it is it completely something different? Is it like that the sales team don't know how to use the video? What's the big thing that they come to you with? Honestly, is a lot of the time it's just the conversation is I have no, I don't know if I can swear on this, I have no idea where to start. <laughs> it's, it's just I have no idea it's so overwhelming. It's yeah. They look at like the production timelines. Usually, you know, they've done a product demo. They've done like a, an explainer video, and the process was absolutely like crazy. It was just like it was a two, three month process to make one video, and they never want to do it again. But they never want to go through that way of making a video again. They believe in it and they want to do it, but they look at the process of of production timelines and they look at creating it the present and they just go well we're not going to do that or we need to find another way to do it so it's usually that conversation i think most companies honestly are not even far in enough with video or deep in enough with video to to have crystallized pain points when it comes to video specifically it's more just at, at a high level it's it's just pretty daunting you've got a sort of tangential approach mm. to solving the the difficulty of making video you've adopted this remote production model and i was really intrigued when i started delving in because i looked at some of your content and it's like this stuff's definitely getting consumed it's like it doesn't look like it's been shot on a cinema camera and in a lot of cases it doesn't need to be so what is it that made you come to the realization that there could be more content getting made 
it could cost less and it could be made quicker and in higher volumes. I think it was by looking at YouTube, right? I think there are kids in their bedroom that are getting millions, tens of millions of views per video with a, you know, quite basic, simple camera setup with some nice lighting, but that's about it. And there are a guy I like, he does these like documentaries called James Janney, who does, he's, I think every documentary he makes gets five, two, three, five million views. Wow. And it's just, it started him. I think it is still him just basically in his room, you know, with a mic and he's upgraded his setup now because he's, he's got bigger. I think it's by looking at that world and thinking, why do we really need to do all of this crazy, expensive in-person production? I just, I don't think that has to be the case anymore. There are people disproving that and that all on, on these platforms. So I think it was, that was what gave me the realization. And what is it that you've done to change? You're in a competitive space because when I... When you agreed to the interview, I was like, great, okay, Sway's coming in. I'm going to be interested to speak to, to mm. you about how you're doing it because it is a sort of a, a, sort of a shift. Then I found that there was a, a competitor of yours, and I won't mention them by name, but they're targeting enterprise clients and sending out cases full of camera gear. I thought, that looks really expensive. Mm. Who? What do you think the competition is like in this remote space? Because if you're asking mm. people to work remotely, are you giving them the tools with which to make the production or are you asking them to make the content and deliver it to you? How's that working? We, so we do it in two ways. So we either send the equipment to the client. We've just brought on a client this week where they're an agency in London and we're going to send them the equipment to their CEO because he's going to be the one on the videos. Or we have a kind of a small network at the minute of creators that we work with who have their own studio setups and they'll record. So we give the client the option. Um, it just it usually just depends on how involved they want to be in the videos themselves. And in terms of the video output that you're uh, that you're making for your clients yeah. from this technique, what's what do you find that your clients are asking the most for? Is it testimonials? What is it? They usually come from like my LinkedIn, my co-founder's LinkedIn, and so they usually want to replicate a similar thing. I guess that we're doing short talking head videos we're seeing a lot of clients now who want short style talking heads case studies is remote case studies is really big because there's a lot of value in doing those and making them like short interesting social stories that you can share so it's a really it's a mix of talking head and talking head social videos as well as youtube now and takes so taking for example a, a blog and turning it into a either a five to 10 minute YouTube video or doing a LinkedIn video. Hmm. Yeah. Or case studies as well. We do like a few product videos, but to be honest, that's not really like our main target or type of video that we want to do. The different types of videos that you're making for your clients and you've got them so engaged with the process, they're making the videos remotely. You're managing them so that their production values are yep. good or well, good enough to be used, which is mm-hmm. one of the sort of selling points of the way you do it. You're not trying to make a, a cinema documentary. You're making content yeah. for consumption, aren't you? Yeah. So what is the log line so I get it right? Making videos for consumption, not sexiness. So of the videos that you do then, is, is, have any sort of outperformed or done really well? And were you surprised by how some of them have done? Because if people aren't doing video, is it 
is there a vacuum that the videos that they make then filled? I think the ones that always surprise me are probably the ones that take the least amount of time or are like the, yeah. the it's always that's always the case, isn't it? It's the ones that you spend longer on that always don't do as well. But it's always it always tends to be like the repurposed podcast clips where we had one last week that was like a 16 second clip. It was six, 16 second podcast clip where the, I think the person was talking about like Airbnb and how they've stopped doing performance marketing or they've halted that and it had 25,000 views in a few days on, on our clients TikTok. And it's just, they always surprise me because it's usually lower effort, but you can get a lot of a lot of leverage out of those it's always podcast clips that's interesting you say that people listening who are probably interested and one of the reasons they'll be plugging in is because they're interested in the way that sway's doing business mm-hmm. are you only able to work with clients that've got an established position on a platform they've got a stack load of people on their youtube channel or a huge tiktok tour following or isn't that kind of like you're at the point where they don't have that and you help them get that most clients so uh, this one actually, so this podcast one, Sastock, who are there like a SaaS conference. Their their founder Alex, he's been doing he's on the podcast now for quite a few years. They've not been as heavy on video, but they're probably more heavy on video than most because they're an events company, so they're just naturally going to be doing more video. But most clients, like I said, they've they've probably they've done a product demo, they've done the occasional how to article videos, but aside from that's really it. That's that tends to be who we work with. So we bring them on that journey of video. You've obviously got a, an attractive quality to lots of your customers because you're not involving huge crews turning up to their offices. Mm-hmm. Is there other benefits that they are appreciating from the process and the way that you do that? What's your feedback about what you're doing? Are you noticing, is there any benefits or is there any sort of feedback that you get from the production process mm-hmm. that you're using? You know, what is it that the clients really appreciate about the remote model? Yeah, yeah, it's volume. It all comes down to volume, and I'll kind of reverse engineer that. If you want to get buy-in from video, yeah, if, if you want to get buy-in for video from your execs for your company, you have to get results, right? And to get results, you have to get volume. And to get volume, you need to be creating video in a way where it's not absolutely breaking the bank every time you make a video. Um, and so we've. I mean, so yeah, we've reverse reverse engineered that, and it's companies know they need to be doing video. The, the content people inside companies, the marketing people, they all know it's really important. But trying to actually get buy-in for it as a medium from from the CEO, from the VP of marketing, etc., that it's really hard, right? Because at least in the traditional way of making video, if it's costing you fifteen, twenty grand every time you want to make a video. It's near on impossible to ever make it a sustainable format medium of content. But if you're doing it in a remote way where it's a tenth of that cost or it's even less than that, it's it becomes a lot easier to sustain. You don't, then you get results of it, etc. You're disrupting the market and making it easier for people. I, I know that you're going to get lots of competitors that mm. follow up mm. and try to emulate what you're doing but i I was really interested in one of your posts that you did recently where you talked about something which i thought oh hang on joe and that's going to be something that's going to put you out of a job and you talked about this role which i'm increasingly encountering in my clients 
businesses where they have content creators yeah. who actually in-house who are they specifically targeted them mm-hmm. for recruitment to make content and mm-hmm. they are pumping out reasonable mm-hmm. volume content it, it, are you worried about the the growth of that role uh, it's something i've been talking about even in b2b for the last two or three years like i've had chats with people about it look i think it- in a direct-to-consumer context, is all that's that that space is like four years ahead. It's for at least three or four years ahead in terms of where it is. Like it's starting to really take hold now in a in, in inside e-commerce kind of businesses. You see it a lot on TikTok. Companies hiring full-time creators. We don't see it as a threat because I think only medium that they're being hired for is can you create videos for us? Now a lot of the time it's. Can you create a TikTok video? Can you do this? Can you, can you can you help with growing TikTok? But it all involves video, and we see our role. Look, right now we're an agency, but I think with the direction of our business, I think over the next few years probably turns into more of a kind of training business, and it turns more into a we're going to help these creators, these next generation of content marketers, learn this video that is learn this medium that is video, and. The reason that you'll be able to take that approach is because you yeah. are putting in the groundwork now. Do you think? You are making content and you are testing and trialing different yeah. ways of doing it, which is really, imagine your customers, it, what they see you testing the ground, they see the content working, and so it's an easy win for them to engage you. Yes. I think, like I said, I think there's still, honestly, like a three or four year window, to be honest, um, before the creator movement really picks up where it it really gets to a point where it's like they just want to do it in-house mm-hmm. but i think there's still quite a long period where they will need external support and even when creators are in the business i still think there'll be a place for a kind of external editing team you talked about uh, direct customer sales being four years ahead yeah. and the idea that you have creators that are recruited into a business and it works well in fashion, it works well in e-commerce where mm-hmm. they come in and they are able to bring their expertise in making content. Um, it, what is it different about B2B that prevents that happening? I think it's just, it's a smaller pool of people. Mm-hmm. There's a smaller pool of, I guess, people have the crossover of being good at doing social and good at doing TikTok and YouTube. Yeah. but also are passionate about logistics. It's quite a weird hybrid. So it's, uh, I think that's really what it comes down to, to be honest. And it's just, it's it's probably harder as well. It's harder to, to I think, to be a creator around that. It's probably more niche. It's harder to do when you're a creator for JD. You can talk to a lot of things. Yeah. You know, and you, there's so many cultural things that you can talk to. Whereas when you're the creator for a legal tech company, it's unless you really are deeply in that space, it's going to be quite difficult. <laughs> Do you think that we're going to move to a place then where we have like celebrity content creators in really niche vertical markets? Hundred percent, hundred percent. You're already seeing this, and it's funny that I brought up the legal tech example because there's a creator called Alex Sue. Uh, he's the creator for a company called Ironclad and they're uh, I think the biggest legal tech platform now and he is like giant in that space now he's he's an ex-lawyer he's their full-time creator and it's just even I find it funny I don't always understand it completely because it's a lot of legal jargon but he creates like a 
a lot of like funny TikTok kind of style, legal kind of relatable content. And I think we'll see that you're seeing it in marketing, you're seeing it in sales now. I think we'll see it across all spaces. It's just, it probably will, it's naturally going to take longer. It's going to take longer. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting you say that because Tom Hunt, he did that in SaaS, didn't he? He was, he was, he, I think it was sales ops was his specialism and he ended up going to conferences and people yeah, are like high-fiving yeah. him. They're like, yo, dude. What you're saying is we're looking at a future where at the plumbing conference in NEC this year, there will be some person who is building a space for themselves yeah. as a, a content creator so they can bring that individual taste and personality to it. And I, Personality is really important in this context in video because you're looking yeah. at someone's face. And I wondered if we edge towards now the idea that it isn't a person that you're looking at in the videos and it's AI that's getting involved, how do you see artificial intelligence and content creation in the B2B space working and impacting on on, on like your remote way of doing business? Because how will it take out the individual? <laughs> I've a strong opinion here that I think anyone that's currently using synthetic AI in their videos just don't understand video at all i know there's a lot of companies that are getting into this space now where it's your it's these synthetic avatar characters on screen i think for internal training videos i see the value of using ai to actually replace the person on screen the presenter is not the current value of ai for video i think the current value of ai for video is in the scripting and kind of ideation phase that's where i see the current value now does that change in 10 years Perhaps. I think there's a lot of opinions there at the minute. I don't have a super strong opinion on in 10 years from now, AI could have taken over the world by then. Uh, with the work that you're doing then with these companies, it sounds like you're in the right space to help companies in vertical niches create their own celebrities within those spaces. What else do they need to do before they can become proficient in video? The reason I'm asking that is that, so you send them a pack, what else can you coach them in? What is the thing that helps you get them to make great stuff? A lot of the work we do with clients in the early in the earlier days before we actually start creating is getting them used to being on camera and helping them find that that style. I think a lot of people have different styles. If you're introverted, you're going to have a different style on camera. If you're extroverted, you're going to have a different style. So it's helping the presenter develop that video style. It's then also helping them actually talk about the right things and helping them actually create a, a structured series of videos where it's not all happening in random isolation um, it's uh, ideally we're again we're big believers that you, you should be creating a video series a multiple series of videos uh not just one-off videos so you're building a, an active audience over time so it's helping them develop that series develop different formats so yeah, but a lot of the early work before we actually start creating video is in that creating their video style, getting them used to being on camera because it makes a massive difference. I Yeah, I've been interested in how remote working companies sort of tutor people to, mm. to work on camera because anybody who's edited for me over the years will have heard me say mm. exactly the same thing on every single interview when I'm getting someone to engage with the camera, warming them up. I've been telling the same jokes for 18 years, which my obviously children know. And 
there's the, the little tips. But the thing that I struggle with the most with video in the sort of remote setting is the issue of eye line and where your eyes need to go and what they say about your character. Because I've got the setup now in the two camera set with you and I on both side. And yes. the old way of doing screen grammar is we should be looking at each other like on the side profile. No, that way I'm doing it the wrong way. How do you make decisions like that about the way that... Do you follow examples that have already existed in the industry or do you get them to break new ground? We tend to take examples, I guess, from from the industry. We, I guess, when it when we're actually doing the... When we're setting up that production, when we're getting them set up, we do sometimes, depending on how, I guess, technically proficient the person is, we will send like freelancer on the day to help them set up. Just we'll have someone there, but then as soon as we've got that set up, we're good to go. We with the idea with the setup with that we've got is we want it is it's the setup is as simple as possible, so that it's it's really just a case of hit hitting a few buttons and then it's and then it's ready to go. Within the spaces that you and your clients operate in, is in the platforms, mm-hmm. what's your recommendation to clients now? So you've established that there's something that needs to be resolved. You've worked out a way of contributing to people making content at volume, at speed, and at low cost. But which is the platforms that you're recommending them to distribute on? Because you talked earlier on about distribution being really important. And I was interested to find out which of the platforms you think are the best for b2b the ones that you get the most successes on two linkedin and youtube so, so link, link, linkedin and youtube by a mile linkedin because it's just there's very few people doing it so you can stand out very easily by doing good quality video and you can ship a lot of it out and it goes really nicely with with text posts and linkedin are just pushing it heavily now youtube because it's like the, yeah, it's just, it's the sleeping giant, I think, of B2B SEO. The companies that are starting to bring video into their SEO strategies are just seeing like incredible gains. So yeah. I think from an SEO standpoint, YouTube is seriously on top. That is really interesting that you said that. And um, there's a really excellent podcast, Sam Dunning, who speaks on his yep. podcast about SEO I'm really intrigued to find out more about SEO and video for a client 10 years ago where they want to search engine optimize in YouTube for a search term, which they're still coming in the top 10. I think their seven videos are up there. So it definitely works. Why not TikTok then? What's the TikTok not working for B2B yet? Or do you think it's too untried? It's too, it's funny. I had, I was had a, I had a podcast with a guy and he was basically saying that there's a lot of, a lot of B2B companies that are currently jumping to TikTok because it's like the shiny new thing when there's this really big channel called YouTube that they just completely ignore that actually would generate far more value for them. But particularly given that a lot of content resources go into SEO and video, specifically YouTube now, is probably the, the best thing that you can do for SEO. So I think TikTok's cool, but it's to me it's a bit of a distraction. I think every company should be figuring out LinkedIn, YouTube. With um, Sway developing as it is into potentially a training company, I was interested to find out of the platforms that you're operating in, is there ones that you think are going to grow? Where do you see Sway occupying? What 
territory do you want to be in the next 10 years? Are you going to be YouTube dominators with a LinkedIn behemoth behind you? I don't know. Where will you be? I think we want to, I think YouTube is going to be absolutely like giant for B2B, like massive. And it, it's kind of one of my favorite films is The Big Shore, mm-hmm. like the about the housing crash in 2008. And it's no one saw it coming. And then all of a sudden it just happened. And I, I get the sense that's the same thing that's going to happen here. Of There's going to be a few companies that really start heavily investing into it. And then all of a sudden everyone's just going to realize, oh shit, yeah, we need to be doing this. Uh, particularly from an SEO perspective. I think we want to really be the guys for YouTube, lead lead the charge on that. Yeah, and I think we'll be rewarded quite nicely for it. Last question now. If you have all this mountain of success, you've identified the problem that people have, you've given them a really interesting and tangential way of solving it, and it's working. So in 10 years' time, how will you scale up? Are you going to increase the staff or the amount of kit that you send? How will that work? We're creating a, kind of like a standardized subscription. Mm-hmm. To make it easy for us, but also to make it a lot easier for clients, we've looked at companies like Superside in the space, who are like a design subscription company. I'm a big fan of how they've gone about productizing what they're doing. Yes. So I think subscriptions will play a massive part in how we scale up our services. I think a big part of our business will also turn into kind of a community training. We, me and my co-founder, we always talk about we want to almost help up-level the next generation of like B2B content marketers. A lot of the content talent right now in B2B is mm-hmm. 99% written in SEO. That's where their skills are. It's like we want to help them upskill into video. And I think that's going to be a massive market for us. You are definitely going to be the brand to be following when it comes to remote video production. And I have absolutely no doubt the work that you're doing now, it's, it's astonishing. You, you've got such a, a an immense volume of content being made. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's also, it's it's almost too interesting because I've lost about two hours listening to your podcast. <laughs> I so with people now understanding a bit about the way that you're running your business and the solution you provide, where can businesses that are interested in using your remote solution find you where do you inhabit on the web yeah so the i guess the first place if you want to just get into my kind of content ecosystem it would be just going to my linkedin so joseph newton and just you'll find me on linkedin most days posting and then the website is usway.co we will be updating the domain i will put all the connections to your brand in the show notes and I would recommend any business that's in in any way thinking of upscaling their content production, this is a solution, which is something to look out for. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. I am looking forward to seeing more and more of your content out on the web. Thank you. It's been great having you on. Thank you.